you never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist for it fades to black. You got a relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it come far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back on you. A relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it come far and few. What's a good people? This is the Relic Podcast. I'm Chad Snow, and thank you for listening. So last week I did an episode on the YMCA, and it got a lot of traction, a lot of comments, a lot of messages to me about how much they liked it, how I should do another one. And so I decided, why not? So here we are for episode, I think this is episode 60 now. Excuse me. Episode 60, I believe, and we're going to do the YMCA Part 2. And I got my man Eric Klein with me, because I figured who not better to uh, help share some stories and some, uh, yeah, stories. That's the best way I can put it on the YMCA, because he was there as much as I was, or maybe even more. Between the two of us, we put in a lot of hours at that place, a lot of days, a lot of nights, a lot of mornings between... Shoot, probably fourth grade up until college days even. So without further ado, Eric, you're officially unmuted. Say something so I can make sure you're on. Hey, Chad. It's good to see you again. Good to be together on the airways. Thanks for inviting me. And Eric's got a new like little headset thing going on with a little attached microphone. Looks like he's ready to play some video games. Sounds even better than he did last time. So uh, here we go. So again, we don't have anything scripted. We're just going to go off the top, as they say. And uh, I'll start with just saying, and we might have even touched on this during one of our last shows. This is like your third time on, so you're like a regular guest now. But uh, I'll just go all the way back to like fourth grade when we played our YBA games in that new gym with the hoops lowered to eight feet. And I was playing for Simmons at that time. I was on the green Simmons Shamrocks team. And Eric was on the Howard Hedger orange team. And I didn't know you. I just knew that there's this kid that was good. Had his socks pulled up like we all did, the short shorts. And I can even, you probably don't remember, but I can even remember the basketball shoes you were wearing. You had some Nike. I mean, there weren't a lot of choices back then, but you had whatever the latest stripped down, all white Nike. I think you and Pete had the same shoes on. And I just remember this kid, because that's back in the day when like you're good at something and you're in your little neighborhood. And if you're good and you're the best in your neighborhood, you just think you're the best in the whole town. You think that you own the city and you're, you're, uh, you have no, no, uh, your blinders are on, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So then all of a sudden I see you playing. I'm like, Ooh, this guy's kind of good, but he can't be better than me. And I remember, uh, that was back in the day when we were just getting good at doing like layups. And Dr. J was, uh, this was even before Michael Jordan was even on the scene, and Dr. J was kind of that dude 
and he had those long strided lay or dunks. He would do dunks, obviously, but he had those long strides. And I remember that's when one of the first things I remember about you when you would do your layups. You had those long Dr. J type of strides. I don't know if that's where you got it from, but that's what it reminded me of. And take us back, if you have any memories, back to those fourth grade YBA days. We'll start there. Hit it. Well, when I listened to your podcast last time, number 59, and you were explaining some of the memories of the why it was it it brought back a lot of good memories and even the thinking about those fourth grade games and how as a kid you're like the center of the world and you hope that as you get older you don't keep becoming the center of the world that you take yourself out of that place but when you're kids it's like this is your world but i felt the same thing watching you like oh my uh there's some competition here and there was almost an intimidating factor with it because of the way that you carried yourself and I even respect that today you've been a good example for me of of being able to carry yourself with confidence and to be able to be proud of yourself and not um, you know put yourself down or or and, and that's always been something I've looked up to you for. And I could see that even back then. And I could also sense that there was this, I don't know how the world's systems of energy work, but you could feel this um, push-pull. I want to get to know this guy, but I don't know if, if it would mm-hmm. be okay. And, you know, you can just, and even, and it's just really a cool thing to just get those initial responses it's like two animals out in the wild noticing each other and then you have to learn to navigate that relationship and and it was super fun to be able to just I, even now talking about it, you can feel kind of that nervous energy of of seeing each other in the court and and playing against each other and having that competition and those were very fun days yeah they lower the the hoop to eight feet so that we can be more successful at making our baskets and mm-hmm. um and it really was energizing and it it kind of like gave us something to really look forward to and have a goal and you and I are like that I mean it's like give us something to work towards. And those Saturday morning games were certainly something to motivate us. And I remember too, uh, like, we, you know, they would stuff us in that little gym. I mean, it was little, it was the new gym, but it was smaller than the old gym. And they would pack us in there. And so all the parents and all the fans that were there to watch the games would be lined up around the court and to paint a picture. Like there was no, like, there was like, a couple feet between the baseline and the wall and there's like a little pad and even on the sidelines there's no space so the parents and everything had their little chairs sitting all around that court and you could barely watch the games if you were waiting for your game to come up so like if you were playing before us we could kind of sneak in a little bit but the other teams kind of had to wait in that other gym and it was just like this energy, just like you'd peek in to see what the score was. You'd peek in to see what was going on. And then you'd have to kind of leave because there was just no room to be in there. And then the game would be over and then the, the, you guys would kind of come out and then we would go in and we'd put maybe rub shoulders, maybe make some eye contact. But like you said, when you're in elementary school, 
that's like your little bubble, your little world. And at, at that time, I remember going to Simmons. That was on the south side of town. And you guys were Howard Hedger, north side. And that couldn't have been farther. That, that seemed like another world. And we, never, we, didn't, we didn't go into the north side. You didn't come down to the south side. So it's not like we saw each other during the week. There was no social media. There was no connection. So we saw each other on those Saturdays. And then that was it. And then we'd see each other again the next week. And so that made it even a little, little more intense because you just wait and kind of chomp at the bit to get another glimpse of Eric or Pete or whoever it happened to be. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of other, and I'm not saying this to downgrade anybody, but uh, that was like the competition. It was like, oh, those guys are, they're, they're the ones. And through my mom and uh, Pete, Pete Adams, shout out to Pete. I'll have to send him a link to this uh, podcast so we can listen. But his mom and my mom were friends. So Pete and I kind of had a connection aside from playing sports. And every now and then we'd go over to his house or he'd come over to our house. And so I had that connection with, with you indirectly, but we still weren't friends. It was like, yeah, yeah, no, we're the, 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 that's that's still kind of the enemy. That's still the the guy I'm chasing and competing against and want to be better than. And we never really touch cross paths until junior high. So our you know YBA days, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and that's when we moved to uh, CC Lee, and then we became a little north side north side people up at CC Lee. And I remember that too because. In fourth grade, CC Lee, and no offense to the CC Lee folks, they weren't they weren't any good. And so I remember when it was time for us to move, and when we were in fifth grade, and we moved. Um, it was during Thanksgiving break, and our mom told us, "Hey, we're moving. Where where are we moving to? Well, we're moving up north. Well, what school are we going to? That was my biggest concern. Oh, we're going to CC Lee, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit." Why do we got to go to CC Lee? They suck. And that's a, that was the only thing that crossed my mind. But then there was one fellow that uh, I met right away when I got to CC Lee, Tim, Tim Eberhardt, mutual friend. Shout out to Tim. And he was like, it's good to have you. I, I still remember we we're in one of the pods up at CC Lee, and he was like, it's good to have you. We're going to have a good basketball team now or something like that. And then from there, it was it, instead of Simmons, Howard Hedger, it became CC Lee. Howard Hedger rivalries. And then do you re- like when we got to fit and we're keeping this about the YMCA, but we played our games at a different place in fifth and sixth grade. One of the elementary schools, maybe it was Henry Neal or something like that. But anyway, I remember, and you might not remember this, but in fifth, it was either fifth or sixth grade. That's when we started spending more time at the Y to work on our games. Um, and I remember we'd be in the old gym and you and I crossed paths a lot, but we never talked. Like you might be at one hoop and I might be at another hoop and we'd be working on our games. We'd be doing our thing. I would bring my little ghetto blaster in there and have music playing, but we never, we never talked unless, unless you remember differently, but I don't think we ever in, you know, initiated any sort of contact until we got to junior high. Yeah. And it was interesting because 
for me, and you had mentioned it last time about the why being a safe place, a, a place that kind of helped raise you. And I really felt that same, that same thing. And, and even now thinking about it, it was like going into a sanctuary, playing basketball, being in that place of quietness. And you're right. There were so many days. Here we are, two young kids. I mean, who at that age thinks about going into the gym and working on your game with intentionality? It's rare. Mm -hmm. And I think back now and it's like, that was a place of refuge, especially as we've talked before, growing up in, in challenging situations where in my case, uh, my father had just had a alcohol-related car accident when I was nine. And it was a kind of at that age where I was like, I just had to have an outlet. And thank God that fire was in me to say, I think I want to play basketball. And, you, and, it, and it became a place where we could go. And so it, what and not, hang out not to interrupt you though but what was it about basketball though that made you like this is what i want to do i mean i know we played football in the backyard and baseball whenever it was we played everything but what was it about basketball that like drew you in well my brother would play the Y ball and they had a little traveling team and my dad coached and so i would be a tag along and just go watch and and i saw some of the energy and fun of of the game and then i also would play horse in the backyard with my dad and brother and i noticed i was pretty competitive and didn't like to lose and and i just was like as they were beating on me and and doing better than i would i would i would motivate me to want to improve and i also think we talked about Julius Irving, um, Moses Malone, the Philadelphia 76ers. I remember growing up as a young kid, just watching NBA on Saturday and Sunday afternoons and just being in awe of it. It just, it was something about it that just captivated me watching those players. And it was like, this, this, this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, you have those heroes or those role models you look up to and, and it's just, and then you have these Nerf hoops in your bedroom and you create these tournaments with your Nerf hoop and, and, and you put brackets together and, and you're actually by yourself playing lots of basketball games in your own head, in your own mind, cheering yourself on and picturing it all happening right within your own imagination of your mind. And I, I won more championships on my Nerf hoop by myself in my bedroom but what's interesting about it, as you think about it, it's like through our intentionality and our imagination and just dreaming about what life would be like being a basketball player in our imagination, it became real to us when we actually got to start playing. And so much of life is that way, I think. We, we start to picture a vision or a dream we have, and then we start to execute it and go towards it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's kind of cool. I never really thought about it till now. I was playing basketball in my head before I actually even started being intentional about it actually on the court. Yeah, I was the same way. And like I had a, my cousin, 
uh, James Griffin, you know him, and played ball. Yeah. And he was, you know, 10 years older than me, but he was, you know, played for the Eagles, played at Northern State. And he was playing at Northern State right around the, my elementary year times. And so that's, that's what got me. It was like, I wanted to be like Jim. And I was hoping to be tall like him. And I remember when, uh, you know, when you're born and stuff and the doctors would give you projections of how tall you were going to be. And they always told me I was going to be six, seven. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be like my cousin. And then that was right around the time you mentioned uh, Moses Malone and he got traded to the Sixers. So he was that dude on the Sixers. And then I was watching, you know, Patrick Ewing and Akeem Olajuwon when they were in college battling it out with Houston and Georgetown. And so then I got the bug that way. And I remember, and I don't know if you went to this or not, you might, I might spur your memory here too, but there was a clinic that uh, Bazanko, Scott Bazanko and Scott Kusler they put on at the Y. And it was like this little mini weekend clinic that they put on in the, in the new gym. And I went to that and seeing Bazanko and Kusler there, they were like the two stars for Northern State. And Northern State was like, they were gods in our eyes. And that really put a bug. And I think that might have been even around fourth grade time. And that's when I started like, okay, so I can come to this YMCA now. Like, I don't have to just come here to play games. I can actually come here by myself and shoot on these hoops, sign me up. So my, that's when my mom got me a membership and that's when I started like, she would drop me off and pick me up and it was on after that. But I just remember, like I can still smell that musty smell of the Y and going down to the locker rooms and checking out a basketball and getting your little locker key that you had to pin on your shorts so you wouldn't lose it. and. And, uh, you know, sometimes sneaking in and not even showing it, all that stuff. It's like, and it, it, like I said in the last episode, for a long time, it was just like, I felt like it was my little place. Like, and I would get mad when there was a lot of people there. Like, if there was too many people there, it would upset me. It's like, because how dare you come to my gym? This is my place. This is my spot because I'm here all the time and you might come once a week and then or like i brought up in that last episode christmas break when everybody would show up didn't matter who it was they were there and you couldn't even get a shot up because balls were flying all over the place do you have any memories of those times when you when you started going on your own totally relate to that and i i just laughed when i was listening to your podcast about the big crowds that would come and the little window of time between football and basketball season and oh you got about a month to get ready for your game and you know we were we were there year round getting ready for our game no matter what season it was in and and at a very young age doing that and and so yeah, I remember too the swimming pool and, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, here's this old YMCA and in the basement, you've got this, this swimming pool dug into the ground and times where we would go and enjoy swimming as well, because I want to paint a picture that it was all seriousness all the time, although it was pretty serious for us playing and practicing intentionally, but we also had a lot of fun goofing around, uh, at the Y too. Well, there was, a. Uh... 
um, Adrian Grote, Jason Grote. Remember them? Yes. Jason is Adrian's uh, younger brother, but he, he made a comment about how he had memories of the Y, but he wasn't a big basketball dude. But he would still go to the Y for other things, and he brought up the swimming pool and go. You could, and I forgot about that where you could go to the little uh, lookout area where you you could look down through the windows watching people swim. And I was like, oh yeah, because we used to do that, like just kind of to take a break. We'd be like, oh, let's check out, see who's swimming, or there'd be water aerobics going on. There was so much other yeah. stuff to do besides just play basketball. I mean, some kids would just show up and play video games all day. They'd sit in the little common area or the little lounge area, and there would be like the little, you know, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, and and they wouldn't even pick up a basketball, but they'd be there. That was it was their safe place for another reasons besides that. Or they'd, you know, as they got older, work out in the weight room or the Nautilus Center. It wasn't just about basketball, but for us, it was. And and uh, I remember another memory that popped in my head was. There was a time when, and you came, you approached me, and I didn't remember this until I started talking about it on my last podcast. You approached me, and it was just you and me in the gym, old gym, and you just said, hey, do you want to play one-on-one? I don't know if you remember that or not, but this is probably back in, this is before junior high even, and you and I played full court one-on-one, and I remember, I was like, God, because you kept blocking my shot. And it got me so pissed off. I was like, no one blocks my shot like that. And you, for whatever reason, could block my shot. And I must have spent hours on hours like trying to find a way to like get my shot off so you wouldn't block it. And that's when I learned to put my arm up and shoot a little jump hook like Patrick Ewing would. So then that like it didn't make me want to quit. It made me want to like, okay, what can I do to counter this dickhead? that's blocking my shot because no one's going to do that again. So that's when I had to learn how to shoot the jump hook, the little baby Patrick Ewing jump hook. I don't know if you remember that or not. I do. And I remember you perfecting that. I mean, you got really good at it. I mean, it was, and it was really difficult to block and it was totally. And, and how we could play those one-on-one games and then in the old gym there was those two side hoops so that wasn't like you didn't have to run the full length of the court but it was kind of a mini mini court and and getting two on two games or three on three games and and that was super fun and super competitive and that you know it was just always fun to just keep playing whether it was individually but then getting a group together to play two on two or three on three i mean that was a lot of fun too and then excuse me and then we get a little bit older like now we fast forward to like our junior high days and we start spying on the noon ball players it's like hmm, what are those guys doing we'd be there during the summer when we didn't have school so now we could check out these old dudes that were all of a sudden going into this new gym, closing the door, and now it's like, well, what the hell's going on in there? How come we can't go in? And sometimes, and they didn't like it, like people, even young kids coming in there. It was like off limits. And I think you, well, I don't think, I know that you were the one that probably got to play first. And I'm not sure how you, do you remember how you got introduced to actually being able to play noon ball? even though you weren't a man? 
Yeah, I I don't know for sure, but sometimes they'd be short. They'd be short a player or two, or they needed someone to fill in. And, right. And we we were always there, and so uh, we did get to rub shoulders with them once in a while, and that was really interesting too to be able to play with the play with the men, play with the dads, you know. Uh huh. And they had a, and again, painting the picture, it was like a small court. And these, these older guys that like, I would look at them and I was like, how can they do all this? They can't run very fast. They can't jump very high. They're not as athletic as I am, but how come they're kicking my ass on the regular basis? Like, how come they're so good? And that's when I remember, I don't know when the light bulb went off in my head was like, the, the, the game slowed down for them because they're older and they're more experienced or we're young and dumb and stupid and we're running around at 100 miles an hour constantly. And that's when I first got the taste of like, hey, there's different speeds to this game. I don't have to like be the fastest guy to get by somebody. There's footwork involved. Yeah. There's little fundamental things. I picked up so much from those old heads that you know, ran on a regular basis. I wish I could remember names. I remember like Marty and, and, uh, and, um, um, Randy Jones and there's, and, and then, like I mentioned in the other episode during the holiday seasons, that's when a lot of the college guys would play. And then you'd see like the Scott Pizanko show up and the Scott Kuslers and the Larry Browns. And then it was like, it was like a smorgasbord of watching your idols play. And I could just sit and watch those guys forever. So then when I got a chance to actually play with them, it was through Gary, Gary Martin. Because I met him when I was in fifth grade. And he, I was with him all the time, too. So he would be at the Y, and I would tag along with him. And he's the one that got me, hey, let him play. And plus, like you said, too, they saw us there all the time. And then, hey, we need an extra. Come play with us. And you'd just try to stay out of the way. You'd try not to do anything stupid, pass the ball all the time, try to play good defense, but you try to stay in your lane. And I just remember those were some of my greatest memories, even as I got older. Well, and I thought it was interesting, too. We were talking about what inspired us to start playing. And I remember learning about my dad being a high school player for Leola. And, and was a good shooter and hurt his knee and was never really able to um, play as much as he would have liked to. But he would play some noon ball and, and he had a bum knee and, you know, couldn't get up and down quite as well. But I would watch him shoot and just appreciated his jump shot. And then he, of course, was our elementary coach. And, and then watching the northern teams play, you know, so we have these local people are you know dads helping us learn about the game and then we've got the college there with those guys and and we'd look up to them then you've got the nba going on and it was there was a lot of synergy around basketball at that time and then i would also remember watching the at that time state a and state b basketball tournaments in march on tv mm -hmm. and then watching some of these high school kids be on TV playing high school basketball and seeing these gyms absolutely full of people. And, and so it was just, there were so many good examples around us that motivated us to have something to do, something to look forward to and something to strive for. And I, I just think that is really, 
it was an era. It was an era of 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 fun and purpose and and really looking up to these role models that played the game and we would just try to emulate that from doing our little nerf hoop games to actually getting in the gym to eventually being on the same team and eventually going to state championships and playing in those big those big gyms that are packed full of people and and then of course they changed it to three class system with uh, a b and the larger schools the double a and and it still had this great synergy to it but i've heard i don't know for sure um because i haven't followed it as much but some of that some of that um passion for the game is is waned a little bit and i don't know if you've noticed that maybe you know times change and thing there are different seasons for everything but i guess there's more you know soccer came on the scene so that became really popular for people and um and then you've got the football and the track and field and it's just like I don't know. Basketball doesn't seem to be as big a deal as it used to be. Yeah, and I, like I, I don't. You're still in Aberdeen, and I've been removed from that scene for so long that I don't have my, you know, I don't have the pulse of it anymore. But I still have that. Oh, it's not like the old days. And like you're right. There's, you know, and you, then you have AAU, and you have all these other things that. The world has expanded so much. Social media, it's like nothing's a secret anymore. Nothing's like, I, I guess that's the best way I can explain it. It's like everything is like, you can see anything anytime you want now, where before it was like almost like a treasure hunt to, like I found this place called the YMCA to go, and it was like a sacred place. Or, and I'm kind of taking it off a little bit, you know, you'd find that little, you know, dunk hoop over at May Overby, where now this is like a, you just found a new treasure. Oh, let's, let's go to the Y, let's go to the May Overby and play dunk ball. And, or let's go to Lincoln, the Lincoln's, uh, they had that little dunk hoop. You remember that? Cause we went there all the time at Lincoln and it became like your little secret at least we thought it was, at least I thought it was a secret because no one would go there until the word started to spread. But nowadays, all you do is you get on your phone and you tweet something or you, now it's, it's like nothing, nothing's a secret, that little hunting, treasure hunting. Like it's, it, it seems like it's like, I, I feel you when you say it's like kind of lost a little bit of its uh, magic or I don't know what the word you use for it is, but I understand what you're saying for sure. Well, and I liked how you languaged it, this treasure hunt, because I didn't realize the power of our own imaginations and, and what, it, what it looks like to be a kid and to be dreaming and to be exploring in your own little world. And that is just invaluable. And I, I just have a greater... I've always had a gratefulness for it, but just this conversation has opened up some thoughts about how powerful it was to be living in this. And it was a real world, but it was also like an imaginary world and this treasure hunt and, the, and, and embracing the mystery of it all, the mystery of Chad Snow. You know, mm -hmm. the mystery of watching your swagger and watching the way you talked. And I mean, I was watching you. I was 
I was looking up to you and, and yet somewhat intimidated by you too. And, and just the mystery of what, what relationships are, what, what growing up is like. And I feel like sometimes things have go so fast today that it's almost like the world was slower back then. It almost like it unfolded in slow motion where now it feels like it's in fast forward and you can't even kind of it feels like where where is my imagination anymore? It's so busy with so many things and so many. And this goes back to and I hate like you know we're pushing fifty years old now. So now you know, especially with like celebrities and basketball stars, I'll even use like everything's like accessible. Like before, it's like you would see them maybe once or twice a week on TV if you were lucky. Or you'd go to a Northern State game and see your favorite players like once or twice a week at the most. Now it's like with social media and how the world has shrunk, nothing's secret anymore. Like, you know, when they brush their teeth, you know what clothes they're wearing, you know what their kids' names are, you know, it's like there's no mystery anymore. And before it was like, man, there's always that, that little sense of mystery to, I wonder, like you said, like like you say, you were intimidated by me or whatever. Which you know, I was the same way with you because there was that there was no familiarity besides what we saw each other once or twice a week, and I didn't know what cereal you had for breakfast that day. Like you didn't, you know, oh, you, social media again. You, you, everyone shares everything, so there's no secrets. There's no imagination because it's like oh it's just familiar i see you every single day i talk to you every single day i I feel like i know them because they share everything with you and me and like i I bring up the players that we watched and and the people we played against it was it was a mystery it was like okay there they are again I wonder what they what, what part of their game they worked on this time what what new new little move are they going to show me this time and Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, playing one-on-one at the Y like we brought up. It wasn't every single day. There was no cell phone where you'd text me and say, hey, meet me at the Y one-on-one. It was like, oh, if he happens to be there, there you are. Let's go. And nowadays, it's like everyone has access to everything. I agree. And, And there's definitely the positives of that, and there's some negatives. And as we're unfolding this, I just have really have this great appreciation for what those days at the Y helped us develop into as far as our childlikeness and the fun of it and 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 the awe of it. It's like you look back now and you realize we were literally, you can see yourself growing up and maturing as you go back in time and look at all that happened through just the interactions at the Y. And I often think, how did I get by? A lot of times with a buck, mm-hmm. putting 50, 50 cents in to get a mellow yellow and then another 50 cents to get a Snickers bar. And like, what did I even eat? I mean, we, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I remember just, going there and spending a lot of times all day and then just being having a candy bar and a, and a can of pop and that's it it's like that's that's uh 
pretty crazy. And if you had any extra change, you would use it to play a little Miss Pac-Man or whatever video game happened. I just remember the Pac-Man because that was the, that was the one that was sitting on the ground over at the big window that you would watch people drive by the street or you just kind of sit there and when you were taking your little break or you're watching for your friend that was coming and you're going to let them in the side door so they could get in with, cause they didn't have a membership, et cetera. Or if you're in the, if you're in the new gym and they had that side door to let them in. But one of the things too, I remember is the, uh, when we started getting older and you and I finally like became friends because now we're going to school together and playing on the same teams together. And I remember there was one time we were, I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but we were shooting around doing our thing. And all of a sudden, uh, I'm name dropping Jason Durnell and Tom Larson, two ex golden Eagles that they must, they were, they were seniors when we were like eighth grade, maybe, or something like that. And they played in the state championship game and Durnell was a high flying dunker and I looked up to him and Tom Larson. You remember that? You remember those guys? I do. And, and but anyway, yeah. to, to finish my story, and then I'll let you go. They were shooting around in the new gym, and we we're like, "Hey, let's uh, let's take them on." And we we kind of had a little discussion. Should we challenge them to a game of two on two? And we did, and we beat them. Do you remember that? I remember that, and I remember their physicality you know they they were they're muscular Mm -hmm. and they were they were really just so physical and i remember uh looking up to their toughness i mean they just had a a fierceness about them and if i remember right tom may have gone on to play college football for sdsu i can't remember but he was like a middle linebacker for the football team too and just just tough nosed and he was a beast and you know, it's it's really interesting to see how the younger generation really does look up to the older generation and is watching them. And I think you said it with social media, that's changed things quite a bit. But for us, it was like we were watching these guys, um, maybe even listening to the radio on a Friday night to the games or um, because now you can live stream everything. But mm-hmm. um yeah, that was that was fun to be able to interact and kind of like play with somebody that that you knew had this physicality about them, but then to be able to say, we can rub shoulders with them. Right. We don't have to be intimidated by that. Mm-hmm. We can we can beat them. You know, no more of this one down, you know, and and that gives us our confidence, you know. And that was the same way with, you know, playing noon ball with the older guys as the yep. years would go on. Now you're shooting more and you're becoming more of a factor when you're playing against these guys. And it's like, they're not, they're, they're good, but I'm just as good or better. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be intimidated. And yet you have two choices when those things happen. You can either, you know, cower and not compete, or you can step up and compete and maybe get your butt kicked and maybe you don't, who knows, but you keep coming back. And that's what one thing I always remember about playing with those older guys, Bazanko, and you know, they, they kick our butt on a regular basis. And then we, as we get older, it's like, 
now it's starting to you know level playing field a little bit and it's like i can i can continue to do this thing and isn't it amazing how we grew our confidence in that way and how you can see how fear and intimidation insecurity can keep you um from risking mm-hmm. from achieving from trying and just the intimidation factor alone was like uh could we really play with these guys is it going to be okay and but once you start getting in there and and you start to realize wait a minute it's almost has this feeling like the wizard of oz when they go through that whole movie and then at the end they pull the curtain back mm-hmm. and the wizard is this little insecure little man mm-hmm. and it's like so much of life is that way when we're especially growing up as a kid and you're looking around and you're thinking oh man i don't know if i could ever and it's like, wait a minute, you know, and then you've got to grapple with it and you got to go after it and you got to try. And yeah, you fall down a lot of times and you get, uh, well, you, you kind of eat your lunch sometimes and you, mm-hmm. and you realize, well, I guess, but that, that's what motivates you to go back and work a little harder. And I remember, uh, and I'm going back now to like fifth grade <clears throat> when we were getting ready to practice and I had just moved to CC Lee. And I'm on this new team, and now we have this new coach, Paul Seville. He was yes. our fifth grade coach. And I remember sitting with Keen Marshall and me, I think it was me and TJ and Keen, and we were sitting at the video game, playing whatever, whatever it was. And I remember they'd have music playing or whatever, and Karma Chameleon from the Culture Club was playing. Karma, 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 Karma Chameleon. That song was on the, I just, I just popped in my head. And then we get ready to go practice. And as I fast forward now, Paul played an integral role in helping us see even a little bigger picture of basketball because we get to seventh grade and now he starts taking us on little traveling tournaments and stuff. And that's when the world opened up again. Now we're not, we're out of our little neighborhood and now we're going to play these teams that don't even live in the same city as us. Watertown, Millbank, uh, I can't, or even, you know, the family Y interstate tournaments. Those things were uh, amazing in their own right because now you have all these small towns coming in and now we get to like, you know, sharpen our teeth on these other teams and players that we've heard of, maybe not heard of yet, but we've, now we know you know, I think of like the Bucklehides and Northwestern and Roselle and Warner. And now we're seeing these guys and it's like, ooh, there's players other than Aberdeen that can compete against us. Remember those days, don't you? Well, I think that's really it. I just love the picture you're painting because you start in this little world of your own, playing with your little Nerf hoop. And then you go to the Y and see a few more people. And then you go to your teams to see a few more. And then all of a sudden your your world's expanding. And I was just thinking, you talk about gratitude often. And it's like, look at all these people that were in our lives, you know, from my dad to Paul Seville, to our coaches, to your mom, to our our siblings and just people around us that had this synergy and support for youth sports and the YMCA and I, I, I even remember 
looking out those big windows of those big glass windows, this beautiful brick building. And if for those of you that saw Chad had a picture of it on the Spotify number 59 of what the building looked like, just a beautiful brick building with these big windows and it would be snowing in the winter time. And then you'd look across and you'd see Christmas lights and you saw that the Methodist church was right across the way. And the hustle and bustle of, of moms and dads bringing their kids to Sunday school or church and, and just people coming into the Y there was just this energy and this, this, this support for family and youth and community. And I'm like, wow, we got to grow up in that. We got to grow up in people believing in us, you know, from our parents to our coaches, to the YMCA, to community members, just cheering us on and giving us opportunities. It's like, this is, it's just really cool. I remember that you brought that up too, like the, during the Christmas time, you know, that's right when basketball season's starting and that's when the Y would become packed and not only packed with kids playing basketball, but then you get the people as I get older, I see it now is that, you know, they're, oh, I got to get in shape. I got to do this. I got to do that. So they go to the YMCA and it, that's when it becomes live and energetic. And, but we would spend time too, where if it was on a weekend or even a school night or something, sometimes you'd be like, oh, let's go take a break. And we'd go walk around downtown. And that's when, before there was a mall like downtown was like filled with lights and filled with people's Christmas shopping and Christmas caroling and the people ringing the bell for, you know, the Salvation Army. And then we'd walk around downtown and, you know, stop in to see your mom at, uh, what, what was the store she worked at? Mario Simmons. Yeah, Maria. Or we'd go to JCPenney's because it was right across the alleyway from the Y. So that's where we'd kind of get into our downtown. We'd walk through the JCPenney, go downstairs to the sporting goods area because that's where they had the basketball shoes. Then we'd go to like all Dakota sporting goods and the drugstore on the, and then we'd spend an hour or two, you know, walking around downtown and then come back to the Y and hoop it up some more. Awesome days. I mean, it's nostalgic when you think about it and, and then you think about, I just, I just remember the synergy of community support and moms and dads and people knew each other and they, they were giving us opportunities and uh, it, it almost has, you know, people talk about, you know, the good old days or whatever, but it almost has a Norman Rockwell type feel to it. When you think about going downtown main street with the brick buildings and, you know, lots of those buildings, late 1800s, early 1900s. And you see pictures of the old uh, horse and buggy that would go through main street. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is where we got to grow up and, and just the people in the community members that, that gave us opportunities. It's, I'll, I'll always be thankful for that. Remember too, as we got older, you know, we didn't have to rely on our mom or dad to drop us off and pick us up. We'd jump on our bikes and we'd like drive our bikes from the North side down to the Y and, and, park our bikes and spend our time there. We'd take our bikes to the, you know, to Lincoln or May Overbeat. And we started to explore things. Like I go back to the treasure hunt thing. That's where we were able to spread our wings even more once we were able to ride bikes and then drive our own cars and you picking me up at, you know, Oh, dark 30 to, you know, get our lift on before, you know, school even started and get some shots up before school even started. And then that's when we, uh, 
met Mike, Mike Salem. And I was trying to get him on here. Mike, if you're listening, I know you're going to be listening to this. I, I, I reached out to him, but he, he kind of got gun shy. He's like, I got a, I, I don't have a face for it. So I was like, well, you got a great, you can, you can tell stories all day long, but I think he was a little gun shy. Maybe we'll get him on another one. <clears throat> but, uh, I still don't remember, and maybe you can refresh my memory, how we, because Mike was integral in our development too, because he was always at the Y, and he was, you know, older than us, but he was like this little short dude that had zero athletic ability. He had, he looked at him, and he didn't think of a basketball player, but then all of a sudden he would get on the court, and he could shoot lights out. And he had his little crafty moves, and he was just like that little water bug that would dribble between his legs and go underneath your legs and shoot a layup or shoot a you know thirty foot three pointer with terrible looking form. And you're like, how does that go in? And then he'd beat you in horse every single time he played, and you'd play tip in, and you couldn't beat him. And then he he became our friend and kind of like our mentor. And I, I was, I was going to reach out to him again and say, how did we meet? Besides, it had it just been at the Y, just rubbing shoulders at the Y. Yeah, he was there a lot. And then we were there a lot. And, and then he was always a, a big basketball fan. And he was good friends with Scott Bazanko, who mm-hmm. was one of Aberdeen's best players of all time right. and just loved the game. and through that interaction we just were able to get to know each other and of course with his dad being the pastor of the baptist church and having the um christian school in aberdeen and and then just it was just super fun to he he had a huge influence on our lives and helping us have a male role model to hang out with to befriend and he one of the things I remember is he was always so encouraging, mm-hmm. you know, it was always friendly, upbeat, encouraging. And, and it's, and it's like, wait a minute. It was like a breath of fresh air. And even when you see him today, it's the same feeling. It's, it's like a breath of fresh air. Someone who loved you, accepted you and, and saw something in you to validate. And we had so much fun together. Yeah, I, uh, I credit him as much as anybody. And again, I have to go back to like when I was in fifth grade and I brought up like Moses Malone and Patrick Ewing and Akeem because I was like taller than everybody. So I was like center, had my knee pads on and my long sweatbands and I was a center. That's what I did. And then I didn't become six seven. I kind of stopped growing at about eighth grade, ninth grade. I kind of peaked at six two or whatever I am now. And I had to learn how to shoot. Like, oh, I got to start shooting out, like, outside. I can't just, like, I can't play center anymore. <clears throat> and when I started playing with him, and he would show up, and we'd play horse or play tip in, and he's cranking out shots from, like, it, at that time, it seemed like, you know, 30 feet or whatever it was. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't. But I had to learn. because so I was like, at some point, I'm going to beat this dude. He's not going to keep beating me. So I had to learn how to shoot like from distance. And it was because of him that made me realize, okay, I got to shoot from out here. Now I got to shoot from out here. Now I got to shoot from this corner. And he'd always, if you remember, he'd always have these unorthodox, like, you know, shoot from 
just different angles and different. And I had to learn how to do that to compete with them. And that translated into my game as a player. It's like now I'm, I can shoot too now. So I credit. So shout out to Mike. Mike, thank you for teaching me how to shoot, not teaching me how to shoot, but proving to me that I can shoot. Yeah, no kidding. And thanks to Mike for believing in two young kids and befriending us. Yeah, it's made a huge difference in our lives. He came to all our games. Very supportive. Always so encouraging. Yeah, we need people like that in our lives, you know, and hopefully we can be that for other people in our lives. It, uh, it's something like we, I've talked about before, just paying stuff forward. And it, uh, it translated over to me, you know, becoming a coach and teacher and you becoming a teacher and coach and administrator it's like just something that's kind of in us now where like when I as I got older and it was like you know you're in college and it's time to figure out what the hell you want to do and I didn't know what I wanted to do right away I was like I just want to go to college get my classes in play ball and do my thing but there was really no question like at the end of the day like what I'm good at, what I like to do. Well, I like to spend time in the gym. I like to work with kids. I like to lead. I like to, all these things that just kind of came natural to me. It's like, let me put those in something I can do for a living. And then you do it. And then, you know, when your mom's a teacher and all your role models are either coaches or teachers or stuff like that, it's just, it's, it was like kind of like a no brainer. So. It's so true. And and so rewarding to look back and see how our life experiences help create vision, goals, purpose. And, and I'm just so thankful for every aspect of our lives, you know, and including the YMCA and how that helped us become who we are today and, and help foster our friendship too, which well, was, which means a lot to me. And it brought back memories for me too after I posted it and uh, the comments I got from other people. Uh, I mean, I can't name everybody, but it was like, you know, you, all of a sudden you hear from people that you haven't really heard from in a minute, even though you're like quote unquote friends on Facebook, it's not like you're talking all the time or anything, but then all of a sudden they bring up their little memories and their oh man, thanks Snow for bringing that up. And they had little, you know, little things to add. And there's so many people that, I mean, I could spend hours and hours talking about them even, like memories I have of them besides just even you and me. It's like, oh, I remember, you know, even like I'll bring up like Jared Vergelt. He spent a lot of time with us there once we got older and he was in our neighborhood and he would tag along Dave McKeegan and I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Jason Gable over at Roncalli, shout out to Jason. It's like you, you meet it's so many people, and 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 you know, like Jill Kretschmann and Bruce Kleinsaucer and all those people that were at the Y for different reasons, and and it's like you become a family, you become close with them, and they they teach you things, and you it. it like I said in the last one, it it molded me. It molded me. It helped make me who I am, and it, I'll never forget it. And that's one thing I wish I would have had a piece once they demolished the building, like a brick, a piece of the wood floor, something. I wish I could still have hold of, just because it, what a relic that would have been. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. And now it's a parking lot. That was like when I came to visit. <laughs> you know, when I came to Aberdeen this summer and 
and it's just as much as it's grown and as much as it's stayed the same, it's hard to drive by that area and like just see nothing. Like that was, oh. it's, it's sad. Like for me, it's cause I'm not there every day. Like for someone that lives there, that's probably nothing to you, but like, I see that like when I come and visit every five years or whatever, it's like, damn, that used to be the spot. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting to think about the why was a place for community and it was a place, you know, it's interesting. Uh, YMCA young, what uh, young Christian men's association, but they just call it the Y now. And, uh, but it was a place for family. It was a place for community and man, what a great mission. Mm-hmm. And a man made a difference in our lives. Oh, big time, big time. And I remember too, someone, I think it might've even been Randy Jones. See, is my neighbor. But I think he told me that, like, my dad, who I didn't have a lot of contact with, that he played at ball at the Y. I remember when he told me that, I was like, really? So he, it, he, he, he shot at one of these hoops, or he shot at that, or he ran on that track, or he walked through those doors. It made it like that made an impact on me. It's so like, oh, you know, wow. It wasn't, it's not just us. And then I remember, yeah. too, and I, I could do a whole other podcast on that, like, bringing up my dad again. And this is another, like, I, I brought it up to you. Like, I've had people ask me, a man, Joel Donut, shout out to Joel. He, he said, hey, you got to, what about the Civic Arena? You should do, do us a show on that. I was like, shit, we could do, like, a bunch of shows on that. But I found out, like, later on in my life, and I don't know why it took so long for me to find out, that in, like, 1958, my dad made the last second shot to win the State B Championship at the Civic Arena. Wow. For Canastota. Wow. I didn't know that. That is so cool. So like that kind of history, it's like, man, it's like, it like blows my mind. That's huge, man. I did not know that. That's really special. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Like I said, until I was like older, maybe even after he passed away, like I was like, he did. And then I, then, you know, someone would send me a newspaper clipping and there, there's like a picture of the civic arena and. Canastota playing whoever they were playing and then yeah they won and i think it was 58 but that's another show that's cool (laughs) well and that's what's cool about the relic podcast because you have opportunities for us to remember and not forget the important things in our life that have made a difference and so this is a good one well it's a good way to probably wrap this bad boy up man i appreciate you coming on appreciate you chad Always. All right, my brother, hold on tight. I'm going to run the outro and I'll get right back to you. So everyone, again, make it a great day because we are out. You never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist forward, fades to black. You got a relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it comes far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back on you. A relic, best to keep it true. Attended to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, they come far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back.